0: We're going down to the river Bibles let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 Apostle Paul speaks of our bodies as clay jars fragile containers made from earth pointing out that even on our best days you know what we are just dignified dirt <laughs> that's all we are The fact that man was created from dust made him unique among all of God's creation. To create the sun, the mountains, animals, everything else, God spoke. But to create humanity, you know what he did? He took the dust of the earth and he breathed his breath into that dust. Making man a unique combination combination of earthly, natural material. But watch this, and life-giving power from God himself. Sin entered and death was the consequence of it, but God had a plan. You know what his plan was? What his original plan was? To breathe back into fallen humanity one day. Not to stop physical death. Listen, you get the Holy Spirit, it's not a fountain of youth. When you get to be 60, you're probably going to look like you're 60. I'm just being honest. (laughs) You get to 80 and you look like you're 20, we're going to be millionaires, I promise you. But it wasn't to stop physical death, but prevent eternal damnation. Also to revive and empower dust to get back up. Every time they get knocked down, they can tap into the Spirit of God and get back up. So the recipe of the dust of the earth plus God's breath emphasizes how much the fragile nature of humanity needs the supernatural power of God. That's why Paul said he put this treasure in earthen, earthen vessels. That the excellency may be of God, not of ourselves. Of the Spirit of God. Humbleness, meekness, and weakness is who we are. And when you get caught up in the third heaven, please come back down. And realize that we're all just weak, fragile, frail vessels. Anybody in here struggle? Welcome to a place where it's just dust that met the power of almighty God. And here we are tonight on the Wednesday night. And the reason I said all of that, there's always got to be a prelude to every message. Because when you get to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 9, you understand the recipe for Paul's success. He said, we are troubled on every side. Everywhere I turn, I'm troubled, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Destroyed. Paul tells us never lose heart because progress isn't always visible. Sometimes God's making progress in your life and it looks like everything's coming against you. But those struggles are developing us into what God wants us to be. This is fresh off the press. I'm reading it to you as I read it for the first time. But I want to preach to you for a little while on this topic. Picnic baskets on battlefields. (laughs) Picnic baskets on battlefields. Picnic baskets on battlefields. Heavenly Father, I need your anointing today. Let your power fall in this place. God, let there be a move of your spirit. Help me to deliver your word, God. In the name that's above every other name, we ask it to be done. Someone shout in Jesus' name. Give the Lord another hand clap and you may be seated. The thought of people picnicking, I call it picnacking. My wife said it's not, it's picnicking. But if you're from Livingston, Paris, it's picnacking. The thought of the people picnicking doesn't surprise us. These people weren't the first or the last to pack a meal and set out for a Sunday afternoon excursion. After all, it was a quiet and sunny, picture-perfect July day for a trip to the countryside. So it wasn't the picnic baskets that made this entourage notable, but it was where they was unpacking these picnic baskets on a battlefield. It was July the 21st, 1861, and civilians from Washington rode out to Centerville, Virginia, to watch a Union army made up of very green recruits who signed up only for a 90-day war. Boy, they was in for awakening, wasn't they? They marched boldly into combat. Men and women, and even children, came to witness the predicted Union victory, bringing along picnic baskets and opera glasses. They came in different ways, some in stylish carriages, others in city hacks and buggies, horseback, and some even on foot. And they intended to sit on blankets, eat their chicken, and cheer from a distance the Union army. A reporter from the London Times observed the spectators were all excited and a lady with an opera glass was quite beside herself at the sound of of unusually heavy discharge. "Oh my," she said, "it's not that is not that first rate." She said, "Look at look at we got front row seats to the battle." But it wasn't long before reality rushed in. All of a sudden the sound of gunfire and the screams of wounded soldiers filled the air. It was that that moment the people realized that this was no picnic they heard a loud noise and looked around to see the road filled with soldiers horses and wagons all headed in the wrong direction hollering turn back turn back we are whipped union soldiers was telling them as they ran past the spectators you got to get out of here they are whipping us fathers grabbed their children husbands grabbed for their wives they jumped into their wagons and onto. the onto their horses, but somewhere caught in a stampede was some, some of these civilians as these Union troops begin to rush past them. One spectator, a congressman from New York, he was caught by Confederate soldiers. You know how long he was kept prisoner for? Six months. That's what you get for going to a picnic on a battlefield. Six months they kept him. You know what that battle was known as? Bull run. But it's also become known as the picnic battle. But that was the last time onlookers took picnic baskets to a battlefield. Or was it? Or could it be that we make a similar mistake? Could it be that we embrace a similar false assumption? How many believers have laid down their weapons of warfare and bought a picnic basket and they brought it onto the battlefield because the enemy has convinced them that living for God is about comfort and prosperity? Well, if you get in the church, everything's going to be peaches and cream, and it's going to be great. No, ma'am, no, sir. Somebody lied to you. Because when you do get connected to the church and God does put his spirit inside of your life, you become public enemy number one. And the enemy will press you every day to make you compromise and not fight anymore. Wake up. You don't need to read the Bible today. You don't need to pray. You don't need to go to church. Look at Samson. Powerful and called to be a deliverer. One of the most recognizable of the judges who ruled over Israel before the the time of the kings. His hands were a lethal weapon. With his bare hands he ripped off the head of the lion that came roaring after him. He whipped the tar, I said tar, tar out of a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And when the Philistines stalled, they had him surrounded. He took the gate. Of the city along with the two posts. And placed them upon his shoulders. And carried them up a hill. Here was a man with extraordinary strength and ability. His future was bright. There was no enemy he couldn't conquer. He, he thought there wasn't an enemy he couldn't conquer. Because the one thing stronger than Samson was Samson. Because Samson couldn't control himself. He couldn't contain his sinful lust. And the Bible says the enemy of Samson sent Delilah. What a picture. A man full of strength and power. Delilah who has no strength and power. And Delilah comes in to capture Samson. And the Bible says she pressed him daily with her words to find out where his strength came from. Until finally he stopped fighting. And he laid his head in her lap and went to sleep. Forfeiting his power because we know the story. They shaved his head. Be careful what you become comfortable with. I know you think it's a picnic, and I know you think, hey, the battle's done. No, ma'am, no, sir. You better get your weapons back out. Some of us don't even realize how numb we become to the things that will end up destroying us. Judges 16 and 20. Then she calls Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Samson, they're upon you. The Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from sleep and thought, I'll go out as before, and I'll just shake myself free. And he did, but guess what? The Lord was no longer with him. The Lord had left him. Samson thought he could play games, continue to break his vows of consecration, and still be strong and victorious. But the picnic had to come to an end. Because one day the battle will show up at your doorsteps. And if all you got is a picnic basket with a couple sandwiches and you don't have the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith, the enemy will take everything that God is trying to put in your life. He found himself blind, bound, and led around by a lad while people made fun of him. The mighty is now defeated. The warrior is now the trophy. Samson let his relationship with Delilah take priority over his commitments to God. Preacher, I'm never going to let a Delilah come in my life. Oh, we don't battle. I, I know y'all think we don't battle idolatry in 2021. We don't, we don't battle that because we don't have statues we're not climbing a hill to put a statue on top of it and everybody's not bowing down and worship worshiping that but i can tell you that idolatry is still happening in 2020 20, 2021 it may not be a statue or it may not be delilah but many are finding their identity in the images of this world what is an idol it's anything more important to you than god do you hear what i said Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give, to give you what God should only be able to provide for you. A counterfeit God is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, you wouldn't want to live anymore. That's what idolatry is counterfeit god is so central to our lives that if we lose it, we don't even feel like we can live anymore and it worries me that we can't live a day without entertainment but we can go weeks without prayer reading our bible or attending church and we think we don't have an idolatry problem and we're in the midst of the battlefield with a picnic basket and the enemy's laughing at us saying what you gonna do with a picnic basket i gonna give you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich Devil, that's what I'm going to give you. Watch out. Here it comes. Let me give you a word. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow after me, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Did you hear what I said? Take up your cross and follow him. Deny yourself. That means waking up in the morning and saying, I can't wait to deny myself today. But in order to experience the Lordship and provision of Christ on earth, we must be willing to say no to ourselves. Brother Barnes, Brother Terry Shock shared this with us, that Brother Barnes would wake up and he would find something to tell himself no to. You want a McDonald's hamburger? Nope, you can't have it. Is there anything wrong with a McDonald's hamburger? I mean, it's not a Burger King hamburger, but you he... is. <laughs> Y'all don't lie. Ain't nothing like a Whopper with cheese. If you believe McDonald's is better than Burger King, raise your hand. I got to get back to my notes. We've got to be willing to tell ourselves no. In order to win our faith fight, we have to overcome what our five senses are telling us. And we must engage in a faith fight based on God's truth in spite of what our senses are telling us. Spiritual warfare is the cosmic conflict waged in the invisible, spiritual realm. But watch this, simultaneously, it's fleshed out in the the, the visible, physical realm. To put it another way, the root of the war is something you cannot see. But the effects of the war are clearly seen and felt. This is because everything physical is either influenced or caused by something spiritual. Behind every physical disturbance, setback, ailment, or issue we face lies a spiritual root that we've neglected in our lives. And unless we first identify and deal with the root spiritual cause, our attempts to fix the physical problem will provide only temporary relief at best. In other words, everything that your five senses experience physically is first generated by something that your five senses cannot detect. It's only detected by And in light of this truth, you and I need to engage in a sixth sense. A spiritual sense when doing battle is is spiritual warfare to where we read the word of God. We pray. We stand up and plead the blood. We take authority. We've got to go beyond just these five senses. We've got to tap in to what faith wants to do in our lives. Paul said this, Ephesians 6, 12 through 16. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the, whole, the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Paul says if you don't put the full armor on, you can't stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take the shield of faith. Which which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of uh, the evil one. The evil one. I know we don't want to hear about this, but the devil isn't just an evil symbol. He's really real. He's not your kids. He's not your spouse. He's not your neighbor. The devil is real. The Bible names a real and present foe. That's what Paul was telling us. He said if you try to flesh this out, it will destroy you and you'll never make it because there is a real foe of our faith, the devil. And he comes to kill and to steal and destroy. He's the enemy of your God-given destiny and longs to be the destroyer of your soul. And too many people are dismissing him and being like, this devil ain't real. The devil's real telling you right now that's where he wants us people think thinks the antichrist is just going to show up and tell everybody to bow down no he wants to get our emotions to where we don't feel his presence when he shows up we don't feel the evil and and we don't feel we don't feel that that uh, that statistic vibe that he puts off when he shows up but if you read the bible from genesis to revelations the devil's in there satan appears in the garden initially he's cast into the fire in the end He tempted David, bewildered Saul, and waged an attack on Job. He is in the Gospels, the Book of Acts, the writings of Paul, Peter, John, James, and Jude. The nature of Satan's kingdom makes it imperative that you learn to think spiritually. If all those people, David, Saul, Paul, Peter, James, John, jude in the book of acts and the gospels tells us that we've got to open our eyes i'm telling you in 2021 at the river church we've got to open our eyes and realize the devil is real i've got to start thinking spiritually i've got to get up to heavenly places i've got i've got to have a god worldview i've got to be sensitive to what god wants me to be sensitive to and i've got to understand there is an enemy got to learn to to get to a place spiritually to where i can see what's going on in my life and realize that i'm not battling flesh and blood but this is a spiritual attack on my mind it's a spiritual attack on my heart it's a spiritual track on attack on my emotions i've got to open my eyes and realize there is a real enemy fighting me i can't remember the last time i heard somebody mention satan like mention he's real Because people get nervous. Satan knows that if he can get you hooked into his way of thinking spiritually, the physical will follow. He knows that if he can get your mind, he can dictate the actions that follow. If he gets your mind, he gets your five senses. If he gets your mind, he gets your joy. If he gets your mind, he gets your peace. That's why the Bible says to put on the mind of Christ. What does that mean? That means put on the mind of the anointing. That means go beyond the five senses and put on the mind of Christos, the anointed one. 1 Peter 5 and 8 tells us, you got to be alert. You got to be vigilant because you got to watch because there's an enemy that's like a roaring lion. Now, he ain't got no teeth. He's like a roaring lion. He can't really bite, but he can scheme like Delilah. He can get you to think your life's falling apart. He can get you to think that you're broken. You're never going to be put back together. He can get you to think that you've sinned and fallen too much for God to use you. But I've come to tell you that's a lie from a schemer. He's just seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for people that will say, you know what? I don't want to fight anymore. Let's have a picnic. Let's hang out. Let's have a good time. No, I'm on the battlefield. I'm fighting for the Lord. I read an article, I won't finish this tonight, is that okay? I won't go, I won't go any longer because we're about to have a release in the spirit. I may get back into it Sunday, I don't know, I, I finished it today in my office and God's been dealing with me all day. Notice he said he's looking for somebody he can devour. You know what that tells me? Among believers, there are people that he knows he can get. And then there's those he knows he can't get. so my question to you is can he get you where's your mind made up that I'm not gonna be moved your minds made up no matter what you throw at me no matter what comes against me I'm gonna be on the battlefield I'm not gonna be there with a picnic basket I'm gonna be there fighting I'm gonna fight for my family I'm gonna fight for my anointing I'm gonna fight for what God has for me I'm not gonna give up listen it's not to the swift it's not to the strong. It's to those whose heart is bigger. Heart's got to be big if you're going to make it. You got it. I told somebody the other day, I want Brantley in London to say, look, I don't want him to say, my dad was a great preacher. You know what I want him to say? My dad was consistent. He was weak at times. He was frail. He was fragile. I'm not going to lie to you. Somebody called me today and said, Pastor, how are you doing with this construction? I said, out of nine years of pastoring, it has shaken me more than anything has ever shaken me. Why? Because everything else is spiritual. I can tap into the anointing. This construction ain't nothing spiritual about it. Make a brother want to fight. My OCD's coming back. My administration is wanting to come out and I'm having to suppress it and go home. Lay on the couch with an ice pack on my head and say that God be the glory. <laughs> but I can guarantee you this. I was stressed out today. That's why I didn't read these notes until I got up here to preach. But you know where I'm at? Some of you need to let the enemy know you can stress me out, wear me out, and tire me out. But you're not going to take my foot off the rock. You're not going to take me off the battlefield. You're not going to rob me of my salvation. You're not going to rob me of my anointing. I am here. I'm like a tree planted by the water. I'm not going anywhere. Listen, I don't want to be rude. But if you can sing, I don't care if you can sing a wounded bird into a tree limb. If you don't have no anointing and heart to stay in this, every storm that comes into your life, I don't care if you're the best lyrical master, Brother Gov, that ever preached from this pulpit. If you don't have a desire to remain every storm, the Bible says what can be shaken will be shaken. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm going to stand. Well, preacher, preacher, we shouldn't challenge the devil. You're right. I'm not devil chaser. They said brother T.W. Barnes got a chair out one day and invited the devil to show up so he could talk to him. He said, sit right here, let me talk to you. I'm not, I'm, me and him not gonna talk like that. We just <laughs> <laughs> he gonna do his thing, I'm gonna do my thing. We run into each other. I'm gonna have to get out the armor, put a whooping on him, and then go on about my business. But I'm not a devil chaser. I'm not going around looking for devils. I mean, sometimes <laughs> I'm not going around looking for devils. <laughs> But, Brother Will, I refuse to be scared, defeated, and afraid of what the enemy can put in my life. I read an article in the New York Times that said, Lions do not always play fair. They often prey on the feeble and the weak. Researchers have found that predators show a preference for less than fully capable victims. They follow the scent of suffering And they feast on whatever they can find that's vulnerable and won't fight back. So what the enemy does is he goes through the congregation. He looks for people. They don't have no oil. They're suffering. They're vulnerable. They're miserable. They hadn't got the word out. They hadn't prayed. They hadn't fasted. And that's who he's going after. The enemy of our hope and happiness hunts with the same instinct. He hunts with a cold-hearted and ruthless hunger for those who can't fight back and won't fight back. He is looking for those that are ready to quit and get out a picnic basket and have a have a lunch with him on the battlefield. And because he he's clever, he spends a lot of time among the suffering. He lies in wait with lies, wanting to consume the fragile and vulnerable. Those who have based their relationship with God on just feeling and not a made-up mind. And those that every storm that blows, they are shaken. But I found this out. Now, this blew me away. If I ever go into the jungle and come to face face with a lion, I have the answer. Rangers, not the Texas Rangers, like real rangers, who have studied lions in the wild. You know what they tell you? If You come in contact with a lion in the wild. Don't ever turn your back and run from them. Because if you do, you're a goner unless you you faster than some of the people in the group you with. Which that's a whole other lesson in itself. You going in the wild? Make sure, make sure somebody that goes with you got a bad knee and they can't get out before you get out. Telling you. Y'all be with me when a lion comes after me, I promise you. Be like Forrest Gump. Lions are accustomed. You know why? You know why they say don't run? Because they said that lions are accustomed to their victims fleeing. So you know what they tell you to do? (laughs) Stand firm, face them. And then start running toward them. I read it. In this this article, you know what it said? It confuses the lion. Because in most cases, a charging lion will stop And run away of the person that says I'm standing my ground and I'm not running from you. I am here. I'm not going anywhere. The gates of hell shall not prevail. I'm coming at you. I'm taking everything that you try to take from me. I'm taking it back. I'm getting my victory back. I'm getting my joy back. I'm getting my... I'm done. You can stand. Musicians, you come. That, that's where we miss it we get we get so beat down by life and we sit there and we we wait for a word god give me a word god go get you a word there's a word in this book i'm gonna say it again sunday because i'm gonna preach this again sunday i just decided i would tell you the holy spirit told me but it didn't i just don't want to put together more notes when jesus was being tempted you know what he told the enemy He said, look, take that stone, turn it into bread. Take time there, brother. Take take that stone. Turn it into bread. Let's have a picnic, Jesus. you, You know you're starving. You know your senses tell you. Take that stone, talk to it, turn it into bread. Let's have a picnic. Satan said, I got a little butter here. Got a little, I can't believe it's not butter. I got both. Turn it. Turn it into bread. Jesus gives us the best answer that I've ever heard in my life. He said, listen, Satan, you know it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth. He said, you're trying to take my weapons from me. And we look at that and we think, well, Jesus was just hungry. Satan wanted him to turn the stone into bread. No, it was more than that. He wanted Jesus to compromise his identity. He wanted Jesus to give in to his five senses because he had been fasting for 40 days. But Jesus said, I'm not going to sit down with a picnic basket. I'm going to give you the word of God. It is written. It is written. It is written, that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And I've come to tell you today, this is what I've come to speak to you. And I didn't get into a lot of it, and I hope to get into it Sunday, and I hope to preach on it some more. But some of you need to realize. First off, if you will establish in yourself, I'm not retreating. There was a time when Napoleon Bonaparte felt, he felt that he needed to retreat. So he called to one of his commanders and ordered him to have the bugler sound retreat. Play the retreat. After the commander sent the message, the bugle player sounded the call to charge. Surprised, Napoleon again told the commander to correct the bugler and sound the call to retreat. Once again, the player sounded out the call to charge. Now furious, Napoleon marched down to the player himself and began to question him. Why are you disobeying my orders? Why are you not sounding the call to retreat at this point? The bugler player looked at one of the greatest military leaders of all times and says, You didn't teach me how to play the sound of retreat. You only, you only taught me how to play charge. And with that, Napoleon told the man to continue to sound charge. And they won the battle they were about to lose because somebody said, I don't know the sound of retreat. All I know is the sound to charge. I've come to tell somebody it's time to get back up and charge the enemy's been fighting you it's time to get back up it's time to charge it's time to charge oh I feel the Holy Ghost I'm going to minister to somebody some of you have been so stressed lately and tired and weary and the enemy's been bewildering your mind but God has sent me here with a word to tell you it's time to get up It's time to dust yourself off. It's time to pack the picnic basket up. It's time to tear up the invitation to the pity party up. And it's time to get up and say, I've got a word from the Lord. God's going to use me. God's going to bless me. God's going to heal me. God's going to deliver me. I take authority over every opposition that says any different. I put on the armor of God. I'm going into battle. I'm getting everything God has watch, stop, watch, stop, watch. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost. God spoke to me today, and I've got it at the end of this message for Sunday. But He told me to tell somebody that you thought He didn't have any more moves for your life. The enemy has convinced you that He's got you right where He wants you. But God took me back. When Moses and them got to that Red Sea, Moses thought it was a barrier keeping them from where God was trying to take them but really it was the very thing that God would take care of his enemy with that was chasing from behind him. And you hear me today, the very thing the enemy trying to convince you is a wall and that you'll never get through it. You're going to get through it. And when you get through it, what you thought was a wall and what you thought was an end, the end, God said, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to take care of everything that's been opposing you. Here's my question. If the trumpet sounded right now and Jesus Christ split those skies, would he find faith in this building? Or would he find weak and feeble and tired and weary and people that are just wore out? Just give me, preacher, preach a good message. Don't talk about the devil. Don't talk about spiritual warfare. Just tell me how good it's going to be. I can't. I've got to tell you to get your weapons back out. You've got to fight. God's got something in store, but you've got to be willing to fight. come to sound the alarm. Mamma, sir, get up and you go get everything God's got. for you. You get up and you shake off every bit of depression and doubt and discouragement. You hear me. I feel this in the Holy Ghost and I'm not trying to hype you up, but some of you have been carrying a weight you're not meant to carry. And and God has spoken to me and said if I can get them to the front to lift their hands, I'm going to take off of them. Come on, is anybody tired? Anybody tired of being sick and tired? And you want God just to take it off of you? Tonight is the night.